Today on Blue 58, the Packers are starting their offseason by churning their coaching staff. Let's get caught up on their moves before starting the process of reviewing every aspect of the team, beginning with the man at the very top. Hello and welcome to another episode of Blue 58, the one and only podcast of ThePowerSweep.com. I am your host, John Meerdink. Happy to be with you here for another episode. Sorry about last week. I uh, did not have an episode on Friday, somewhat unexpectedly. I just want to say the reason we have a sleep-regressing four-month-old. And if you've got kids, you understand exactly the reason that, that resulted in no podcast last week. Just sometimes... Things don't quite work out. But that means the uh, the take gun is fully loaded up for this week. Got a lot of stuff that I want to get to and a lot of stuff to talk about in this episode. We might even not get to it all. Breaking news happening just over the course of the day. Started the news today with news that Tom Brady is, in fact, finally retiring. Ended the day with the fact that uh, Brian Flores, most recently of the Miami Dolphins, is suing the NFL, basically everybody involved. It's been an eventful day. Starting with Tom Brady, you know where I stand on Tom Brady. I do not like the greatest of all time discussion. I think it's pointless. I think it's fruitless. I think nobody's ever going to be satisfied. But here's what I will say on Tom Brady. If you just reduce his career to goat or not goat, that's the one time I will say that, you're missing the point. The point should be to appreciate what makes a player great regardless of their team's success. If you can't separate the team's success from what a guy is doing, you're missing a lot of the individual greatness of a player. And if you look at Tom Brady and just watch him versus what the Patriots are doing, what the Buccaneers are doing, whatever, that's where I think you really start to appreciate him as a player. And my hope is to always try to bring that perspective when we're talking about players in general. And just the way that Tom Brady was able to play and manipulate the pocket and just make a 22-year career from being a great short to intermediate distance passer with some great deep shot stuff mixed in, that's worth celebrating. And that's really interesting because I think he'd be the first to tell you he is not the most physically gifted guy to ever play the position. Doesn't have the biggest arm, though plenty big. Certainly doesn't have great physical tools like foot speed or explosive athleticism, things like that. But he wins with subtle movements or he won with subtle movements. He did, again, a fantastic job of manipulating the pocket, understanding the angles of protection. And he did it to great success for a long, long time. And that's, that is interesting. The, the greatest of all time discussion, that is really boring. But I think you can still appreciate the greatness of Tom Brady Uh, even if you don't want to have that other discussion. There's my Tom Brady spiel. I'm sure we can talk more in depth about that if people want to to have the actual discussion about greatest of all time and what that means. On Flores, you should check out the lawsuit. Uh, There are people smarter than me dissecting it. Uh, Know that this is first and foremost going to be in front of you for a long time this offseason. This is not going away anytime soon. And second, note that Right off the bat, he's got a lot of points that are going to be really hard to refute for a lot of people. Now, if you've been a long-time listener to this podcast, you know that we've spoken about difficulties in the NFL's hiring process before. It's one of my standard talking points that I go back to. 
when talking about hiring coaches is that I have a blanket, no retreads policy. I don't want guys that have had particular jobs before. I realize that limits the candidate pool in some situations, but I think just cutting out people who have had certain jobs before from your hiring process is going to open you up by necessity to a more diverse hiring pool. You're going to get more perspectives on head coaching, defensive coordinating, special teams coach. We'll talk about that here in a second. Uh, If you just hire guys that have not held that top spot before, it forces you to broaden your pool of candidates. It's abundantly clear if you look at who gets hired in the NFL, there is a small pool of candidates who have a real shot at becoming a head coach. And it doesn't take a lot of figuring out to figure to understand one of the key attributes of that pool of candidates. It has nothing to do with their ability to coach football. It just is, is abundantly clear. You can look at the data. It backs it up. You can look at who gets second chances in football. It backs it up. Certain categories of people get them. Certain categories of people do not. Speaking of opportunities and second chances in the NFL. So, whether you agree with Flores on all of the merits of his suit or not, just know that there's a lot of stuff that is easily verifiable going on with that throughout the NFL. It's been a problem for a while, and this particular aspect of it is not going away anytime soon. Ultimately, I can't do anything but applaud Brian Flores because whether or not, again, you agree with him, he's basically nuking his own career to try to change something that he thinks is wrong with a sport that he apparently loves a lot. That, I think, is commendable. And I think it behooves us to pay attention to what happens as a result. Speaking of coaching, the Packers have a fair bit of updates in that arena. We've got coaches that are leaving. We've got coaches that might be leaving. We've got coaches that are sticking around in new roles. And we've got work to do ahead. First, out the door in Green Bay. For different reasons. Three coaches, Nathaniel Hackett, Luke Getze, and Marie Strayton. Hackett, now the head coach of the Denver Broncos. Two big questions I have for the Hackett hire. First, is this a good move for the Broncos? And to that, I say yes, probably. Uh, the good news for Hackett is that he's a good culture builder. He seems well liked by anybody who has worked with him at any stop Syracuse, Buffalo, Jacksonville. Green Bay. Everybody loves working with Nathaniel Hackett. He seems like the kind of guy who can work and innovate with what he's got, no matter what he's done previously. He's going to make it make it go, uh, depending on what your particular situation needs. Now, I would have some concerns about him being a non-play-calling offensive coordinator in his most successful stop. I know he's done it before, but still. I would also be somewhat concerned if I was a Broncos fan about his area of specialty being a struggle for the Packers this year, the red zone or the gold zone, I guess. It's not good for the Packers this year. In fact, if you wanted to talk about one potentially undercovered aspect of their divisional round loss to the 49ers, it was that they went one for three scoring touchdowns in the gold zone. That's a problem. And I think it's something that... uh, should give you a little bit of pause if you're a Broncos fan. Maybe not a ton, but it's worth noting. Second big question is how this affect Aaron Rodgers. And on its own, I'm not really sure it does because I think Rodgers is going to do what Rodgers is going to do regardless. I think if we've learned anything about Aaron Rodgers over the past year or so, say nine months, it's pretty clear 
that we can't look at him and say, well, he's going to do X, Y, and Z because of A, B, and C. That's not how he plays quarterback. It doesn't seem to be how he lives his life. So if you're just going to look and say, hey, the Broncos hired Nathaniel Hackett, Aaron Rodgers likes Nathaniel Hackett, therefore Aaron Rodgers to the Broncos. May be true. I think relying on that as a silver bullet solution is going to leave you frustrated as often as not. More to the point, though, I think if Rodgers wants to win a Super Bowl, I'm not sure going to the AFC West is where he's going to be able to do it. Pretty tough division. But losing a bunch of coaches, maybe not just Hackett, might affect him. And that, of course, brings us to Luke Getze, who is now the offensive coordinator for the Chicago Bears. Getze was brought back to the Packers specifically as a peace offering to Aaron Rodgers. Yes, there are other positive aspects of his career, but in large part, it was because of his relationship with Aaron Rodgers, his positive relationship with Aaron Rodgers, that he got another crack at a job in Green Bay. Still, young coach on the rise. Of the three that I didn't want the Packers to lose, he would be my third choice behind Adam Stinovich and Nathaniel Hackett. Still, losing him is a not insignificant loss for the Packers, and it leaves them with an opportunity to make a hire now at quarterback coach. Finally, Maurice Drayton, out the door, fired. I was not worried, and I would have said this last week had uh, we recorded the podcast. I was not worried about the timeline here. Uh, sometimes these things take time, and it was pretty clear, at least to me, that Matt LaFleur was just kind of slow playing this because he wanted to see where the other coaching staffs around the league shook out and see who might be available as staffs around the NFL turn over. That alone, I think, makes waiting a bit make sense, and now the Packers have options when they make their hire for special teams coordinator. Still, this is a potentially tough spot, and a question from Discord user Luke Woodford kind of, well, puts it very succinctly. Luke asks, now that the special teams coordinator job is available, how desirable do you think coaches around the league would find the position in Green Bay? Could there be philosophical issues with how Goody fills the special teams portion of the roster being a detractor, or perhaps with such a low bar, even an average unit would make fans very happy, thus making it look like a good job to have? It's a good question. I think there's a couple different potential answers here. First, I think it is a desirable job because the Packers are a desirable team to work for. There's going to be a lot of success there. I think you can be a fairly sure of a reasonable amount of success, no matter who's the quarterback there, just because of the continuity there, the coaching staff, the talent that is on the roster, even outside of Aaron Rodgers. That makes it a desirable job opportunity for uh, both young and experienced coaches. Young coaches, if you're looking to get in the door as a special teams coordinator, move on to other things, move up the ranks, become a head coach someday, getting the early line items on your resume with a team that's going to have a lot of success certainly can't hurt. If you're an established special teams coach looking for that thing that maybe completes your career in the NFL, joining a team that has been pretty successful isn't a bad way to do it. And like Luke mentions, there's a pretty low bar for success in Green Bay. So if you want to come in and be seen as a savior, Green Bay is not a bad place to go. But raising the issue of philosophical problems with how the Packers construct their roster being a detractor there, I think that is something to consider. I don't think it outweighs the other stuff, but the Packers have been very clear about how they construct their roster. They are primarily an offensive team. They want depth at their skill positions and on the offensive line. 
first and foremost. Then they're going to build on defense, and then they're going to fill out the rest of the roster with guys who are going to end up playing special teams. That's something that Maurice Drayton actually mentioned in his introductory press conference. He's like, well, the reason the Packers haven't been very good on special teams is they haven't really prioritized it from a roster perspective, and they're not really focused on complementary football. They just want to get the ball back to Aaron Rodgers as quickly as possible and go from there. And from the Packers' perspective, that's a very reasonable thing to do. You want to get the ball into Rodgers' hands and have him have all the weapons that he can, have all the protection that he can, have the support system he needs to be the all-world quarterback we know he can be. So from that perspective, you understand what the Packers are doing, but it does put special teams a little bit behind the eight ball, which is why you end up with Amari Rodgers returning punts, the Packers scrambling to find somebody off the street like David Moore to return punts, Tyler Lancaster blocking on field goals in the playoffs. Stuff like that is the result of the Packers' roster philosophy. I think if you know that going in, that lessens the frustration with that approach a little bit. But to Luke's point, I think that is a bit of a detractor. Again, I don't think it outweighs the other stuff, but it is something worth keeping your keeping in the back of your mind as guys approach and potentially take this job. Next upon their list, our list, guys that might be out the door. Currently just one name on that list, though it seems to be a pretty good bet that Justin Outen is going to be out the door. Out in the door, maybe. Uh, to be Nathaniel Hackett's offensive coordinator in Denver. Most recently, the Packers tight ends coach. Of note, because he's one of the few guys who had a hand in play calling in Green Bay, along with Matt LaFleur, Nathaniel Hackett, Adam Stanovich, uh, and Luke Getze. Justin Outen was up there as well, and uh, appears to be a pretty rapid riser in the coaching ranks, having done some assistant tight end work with the Falcons, now tight ends coach with the with the Packers now stepping up potentially to offense coordinator in Denver. From there, just one short step to becoming an NFL head coach. Interesting. I think tight end coaches, just incidentally, uh, are make great future head coaches uh, because just by their very nature, they are required to know a lot of different things about their offense. Uh, they have to know the passing game in and out because their guys catch passes. They have to know the run game in and out because their guys are often key run blockers. So there you have two two of the most important aspects of uh, of building an offense married together in one position, and a guy has to balance all of those things, and I think Outen certainly is benefiting from that. Also some internal promotions going on in Green Bay. Stenovich, Adam Stenovich, gets promoted from offensive line coach to offensive coordinator. This is not a big surprise. In the version of this episode that was going to run last week, I mentioned this as the most likely solution given his value in constructing the Packers' offensive line over the past couple of years. Luke Butkus, meanwhile, moves from assistant offensive line coach to offensive line coach. Not a surprise either. This goes hand in glove there. He was the assistant guy. Now he's going to be the head man on the offensive line. Ryan Mahaffey, meanwhile, uh, jumps from offensive quality control coach to uh, assistant offensive line coach. And he is beginning to take some steps towards becoming a bigger voice on the Packers coaching staff after having a pretty low-level route to the NFL. He was the offensive coordinator at Northern Iowa, where he played college football a couple years back, Uh, had worked a couple other positions throughout college football before working with Matt LaFleur in Notre Dame as a graduate assistant and wide receivers coach, now jumps to the Packers coach as a quality control coach, now an assistant offensive line coach. He's maybe a couple steps behind Justin Outen on that same sort of career track. Start with quality control. 
take a couple steps up to an assistant position, take maybe in a couple years the jump to a full offensive line coach, and then from there, who knows where you go. Jason Vrabel, meanwhile, jumps uh, from just wide receivers coach to wide receiver coach and passing game coordinator. Nice little addition to his job responsibilities. Finishing out the coaching moves in Green Bay, Connor Lewis moves from a special teams assistant position to assistant quarterback coach. Longtime listeners of the of uh, Blue 58 will know Connor Lewis's name. I saved him for last because we've been following him for a while. He has a very interesting background. No football playing background in college or the NFL, yet now is the assistant quarterback's coach. He has an entirely analytics-based background. That's where he got his start at Vanderbilt, coaching in college as a, as a graduate assistant, doing analytics stuff for them. Joined the Packers in their analytics department, moved into coaching uh, last year, now is an assistant quarterback's coach. And what's amazing, much like Alton Rudd, much like Mahaffey, you can see the path to him being a head coach ahead, which would be incredible uh, going from no college playing career to NFL quarterback assistant coach to potentially quarterback's coach to offensive coordinator to head coach. You can see the path ahead of him. And I think something like that would be great for football. We talked about opening up your candidate pool even more uh, early in this episode. This is another way to do that. Get more people involved in your coaching staff from different backgrounds, and who knows what kind of great perspectives on the sport you could uncover. It's it's only a good thing to broaden your perspective on, on who can do a specific job. And uh, Lewis is an example of a guy coming into these roles from a different sort of background. Now, the Packers still do have some work ahead of them. They need a quarterback coach. They've got the assistant. They need the real one. And it's going to be an outside hire. And that is going to be interesting because this is the sort of thing that you use maybe a little bit as a recruiting tool for Aaron Rodgers. We'll see what happens. You need a tight ends coach. Same sort of deal. Going to be an outside hire given that the Packers have already promoted quite a bit internally. And special teams coach, obviously, um, there are some candidates out there. We talked about this on our last episode, too. I uh, would prefer no retreads, but there are some good options out there among guys who have had the role before. Um, so we'll see. It'll be interesting to see who the Packers go with there. Uh, first, well, not first, one of the big challenges of the offseason for Matt LaFleur ahead there. Before we talk about Mark Murphy, I wanted to take a second to mention our sponsor for this episode. Today's sponsor is, as always, you. Because Blue 58 is entirely listener-supported. We support no ads, no sponsored posts, no sponsored reads on the podcast, and we have no plans to ever do so. You will never hear a read on this podcast for little blue pills, for male grooming, for daily fantasy sports, whatever. We want to run this show entirely on support from the audience, which means we need support from you. So how do you do that? Head to patreon.com slash thepowersweep to contribute any monthly amount you like. We also take... Yearly pay, uh, yearly contributions now for 10% off. You can contribute whatever you'd like to over the course of an entire year. In return, you don't have any ads here or on thepowersweep.com, but you also get bonus content through our Patreon and access to our Discord server where you can hang out and chat with Packers fans from all over the world. So visit patreon.com slash thepowersweep or see the link in your show notes to get started. I hope to see you here in the Discord. Today I would like to shout out listeners Ben Jones, Jeff Verhoeven, and Scott Cameron. Thank you each for your support. I appreciate it very much. All right, Mark Murphy. Our season recap series is beginning with this episode, and we're going to take a look at every person and player involved with the Packers. And as always, we start at the very tip top 
with the God Emperor of the Packers, Mark Murphy, Emperor Mark I. How do you evaluate Mark Murphy? It's kind of tough, isn't it? Because you don't know a lot of the behind the scenes stuff. You only get to evaluate him on downstream sorts of things. I can think of two ways, though, that you can really take a look at, at Mark Murphy. You can look at the process and outcome matrix that we talk about a lot. Good outcomes with good processes, bad outcomes with good processes, things like that. And you can look at him from the sort of shareholder report, board report sort of perspective. What would he say if he was giving a report on his own job to the Packers board of directors? Something he surely does on a, you would hope, on a fairly regular basis. On the process and outcome stuff, I think things point to a pretty successful tenure for Mark Murphy in general and this year in particular. What has the Packers process been? You want to build around Aaron Rodgers? You want to shore up the defense as much as possible and go from there. That is a good process, and it has yielded generally good results. Mark Murphy has really been on a pretty incredible winning streak since Ted Thompson retired. He hired Brian Gutekunst. He reorganized the Packers. He led a coaching search that brought the Packers Matt LaFleur. He navigated an offseason um, for the second time in his tenure featuring significant quarterback drama and uh, came out looking pretty good at the other end of that, no matter what the Packers end up doing here. That seems to be a pretty good process, yielding some pretty good results. But if the Packers were operated like a business with shareholders, which they are, how would you evaluate Mark Murphy? I think you got to remember, first and foremost, that the Packers, though they are a sports team, are also a business. Mark Murphy's goal as president is not just to con to yield a competitive football team, but to keep the business side as profitable as possible. So his goal in this kind of report would be to sell you on his team and his approach and see if you buy it. And remember, once again, at an organizational level, not just the football side, the entire Packers organization, there is more to the story about evaluating Mark Murphy than winning the Super Bowl or not. So let's imagine what that report might look like. If you're Mark Murphy and you're trying to sell the Packers board and maybe by extension Packers fans on the job that you've done, what would you say? So picture in your mind's eye that I, your friendly neighborhood podcast host, am the big Irish goofball that is Mark Murphy. You are one of a group of people that is sitting in a very fancy conference room, perhaps somewhere in the Titletown district, waiting to hear what I have about the season. You're wearing your business suit. Maybe you've just had a nice catered lunch. You're ready to listen to Packers president, John Meerdick, I mean, Mark Murphy, talk about the state of the Packers. What would you hear? I think it goes a little bit like this. Good afternoon, everybody. Thank you for being here. I know you're very busy, so I won't take up too much of your time. Obviously, we're meeting here a little bit earlier than we all would have liked. But I think we can still agree that this has been a very rewarding season overall. The Green Bay Packers have just capped off the most successful three-year run in their more than 100-year history. Our team has gone a combined 39-10 and 10 over the past three regular season, and we've advanced to at least the divisional round of the playoffs each season in that period. That on-field success has translated to f- tremendous financial success. Team revenue was down in 2021 due to the COVID-19 pandemic, but attendance has been strong this year, 
and I fully expect that our profits for the 2022 fiscal year will rival those of the 2019 fiscal year, which was the best in the team's history. A big reason for that is our leadership remains stronger than ever. General Manager Brian Gutekunst is hard at work right now preparing for free agency, but I expect his 2022 performance to rival his work in 2021. This season, Mr. Gutekunst uncovered an all-pro latent free agency in Devondre Campbell and signed a Pro Bowl caliber cornerback midseason in Rasul Douglas. His 2021 draft class performed well this year, and previous draft picks stepped up in a big way throughout the season as well. I don't have to tell you that Russ Ball's work on the salary cap remains unparalleled, and though he has his work cut out for him in the coming weeks, I see no reason to think he can't continue that work this year as he works to reward our high-achieving players while continuing to keep our books balanced. Head coach Matt LaFleur stewarded this team through unprecedented injury losses and hardly missed a beat. Even without all pros David Bakhtiari, Zedaria Smith, and Jair Alexander, Our team was ready to compete week in and week out. We also have to credit much of our success to players on the field. We expect that our quarterback, Aaron Rodgers, will win his fourth MVP award here in the very near future, and we obviously are thrilled with his performance this year. The same goes for Devontae Adams, who put up a performance unlike any we've seen in Packers history, and we've seen a lot of great years from receivers. This year also featured great performances from a core of young players we expect to be shining brightly for years to come. Rashawn Gary came into his own this year playing in relief of Zedaria Smith. Eric Stokes' rookie year was one of the best we've seen from a cornerback ever. Josh Myers stacked solid performances both before and after his injuries this year, and his running mate on the line, John Runyon Jr., was also excellent. There are also many more names we could bring up. A.J. Dillon, Aaron Jones, Kenny Clark, each one of those a player we expect to be a big contributor for the Packers from here on out. It is true that we fell short of our ultimate goal this season, but we believe in the process that got us here. We believe in our players. We believe in our leaders, and we believe we'll take the steps necessary for the Packers to continue to be successful in 2022 and beyond. We are committed to retaining as many key players as we can this offseason. Despite cap constraints, bigger salary caps are on the horizon thanks to increased TV revenue and other sources. As we navigate these challenges, we look to those changes for hope, and we anticipate that we'll come through them stronger than ever. Our plan includes retaining both Aaron Rodgers and Devontae Adams this offseason. We will make every effort to bring those two legends back to our team, and I'm confident that Brian and Russ have a plan in place to make it happen. But should it become necessary to move on, I'm confident that we will remain competitive. Our process has shown itself to be sound, and we'll continue to trust that process as we move forward. No matter what happens, I believe our future is very bright, and I believe that together we'll be able to achieve our ultimate goal very soon. Bringing the Lombardi Trophy back to where it belongs is our firm commitment, and I believe you'll see it play out on the field in the very near future. May God bless you, and may God bless America. Okay, we laid it on there a little bit thick at the end, but you get the point. I think from an organizational perspective, Mark Murphy would argue the Packers have a lot to celebrate. They have a lot of good things going on. A lot of things have gone right for the Packers in the relatively recent past, and there's really no reason to think they can't continue to duplicate those results in the future. The process has worked. The process has yielded results. Even if you don't always agree with every aspect of the process, drafting Jordan Love, passing on certain people in free agency, whatever, you can't argue with the results so far. Yes, things have not always worked out in the playoffs, but 
don't judge bad results or don't necessarily just pin bad results onto a good process and make that an indictment of the process. From an organizational perspective, I think their process is working. And I don't think anybody at 1265 Lombardi Avenue is all too worried. That's all I've got for you on this episode. I appreciate everybody who was patient with us missing that episode last week. I appreciate you continuing to listen, downloading Blue 58, sharing it with people you think would enjoy it. That's going to help this show grow. That's going to help all of us continue this conversation we're having around the Green Bay Packers, helping each other along the way become smarter Packers fans. And that's awesome because, as I always say, Smarter Packers fans are better Packers fans, and better Packers fans are what we all want to be. I'm your host, John Meerdink. We'll see you next time on Blue 58.